it's, it's laughable now, but like, who the hell do you think you are? Yeah. I do this. I, I've been doing this for for you and your son, and I'm on my knees every night. Yeah. The Lord's prayer, Thy will be done. You know, uh, I uh, my knees. Uh, you know, keep keep my kids safe. You know, get them home safe. Yeah. Uh, and you know, blah blah blah, dropping curse words, and I was all by myself, and I was reeling in that living room, spinning, yeah. punching, and and then I sat on the couch and I bawled my eyes out, and. Yeah. Uh, and then Billy, like I got exhausted from crying, and then just this warm, like like that warm, almost like that baptismal water out of babies. Welcome all to the Men of Sorrows Finding Joy podcast. I am William Lloyd, a man of sorrow. Our podcast is committed to supporting and encouraging men to process their grief in order to heal and return to joyful living in the midst of great sadness. Although it is directed toward men, all are welcome to tune in and participate. Big boys don't cry was a phrase I grew up with, but here men are invited to cry, mourn, and express their emotions by following the example of the best, bravest, and strongest man that ever lived, Jesus Christ. Hebrews 5.7 tells us that during the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who would save him from death. And Isaiah 51 declares that Jesus was a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. Today I sit down with Dan Duddy. Dan wears many hats, his proudest being husband of Maura Duddy, father of eight children. Dan is an accomplished high school football coach, a pastoral minister of athletics, a public speaker. Most recently, Dan has been speaking publicly to students in high schools about the dangers of drinking and driving, sharing his experience with the loss of his son, Francis, at the age of 19. All right, I'm here with Dan Duddy. I told a little bit about him in the introduction, but I'm going to let Dan kind of introduce himself to the listeners and, and really talk about his journey. Um, Dan and I have a lot in common. Dan went to Brick High School. He was kind of, we were younger, so we kind of looked up to Dan. He was the hero quarterback. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, that team that played in Camden, right? In the Yeah, yeah. no, actually, I was one year behind, one year uh, ahead of those guys. I was a spectator at Camden. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. Uh, the Dirk and uh, Paul Dirk. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, he was yeah. he was behind you one year. Well, you're not the only guy that said, the first guy that ever thought I was quarterback on that field, so. Yeah, because, you know, you're a big name. Uh -huh. You're a big name in Brick. So, Dan, we've known each other on and off. We've run into each other. You, you were friends with my dad. You coached my brother. You were ahead of me. We used to see you hang out at Brick Beach and all, too. But yeah. our journeys are similar. I'm, a, I'm an ESE teacher now, and um, we both lost our, our sons, and that's why I brought you on the show. But I, mm -hmm. I was always very intrigued 
by your walk and how you handled things. But give give us an overview, like a, bi- a short biographical sketch. Go as long as you want or as short as you want. Sure, sure. It's a little awkward talking about who you are, right? But it's also yeah. it's also a tough question, right, Bill? Like, yeah. where, where do you start? So you got to go where what, what's number one on your heart. And, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a husband and I'm a father. And even though I've retired from the football field now, after, I think, 40, 40 seasons, Bill, I'm 66, 40 seasons on the field. And I think with including playing time, I've had 50 falls on a football field out of my 66 years. So I do identify as a football coach. And I I say that more readily now because the my football uh, position went from winning and losing football games into a vocation of bringing boys to men. So I say that once again, much more readily and with, with a little bit more integrity to that as you can imagine so i i identify that way but once again more so as a as a a a very blessed husband to have met a a beautiful woman that really straightened me out brought me back to my faith and having been blessed with with eight children uh so i was doing a considerable amount of speaking uh i i guess as far back as uh 2000 and a little bit before you know, when you're in the locker room and, you know, you're getting after it for the game, the sake of a game, you have such like open hearts in the locker room, you know, those young men. And, uh, you know, when you give to them and you, you try you try to meditate on what a what masculinity is, and what a man is, you grow so much as as you speak to them, you know, and what, in order to touch the heart, you got to speak from the heart. And you've got to get down on your heart, really down in there if you really want to go really in there in their heart. So I found by the grace of God, some growth happening there. And I just, I came to a, a deep understanding of a fundamental rule. And we had the same football coach, coach Wolf, and we kept things very, very simple <laughs> and repetition brought us to the new normal, right? Repetition, repetition, and having discipline and what you allow to come in your head. Very simply put boys take and men give, and there's no age to it, you know? So I know 65 year old boys and I know 12, 14 year old men, you know, and, and the same with our, with the, with the, uh, the female, you know, the feminine genius as well, you know, women and girls, you know, women give girls take. So mm-hmm. once that realization really started to take place in me, then, then I had a definition of what I needed to understand whenever I looked in the mirror. And then if we're going to call, call ourselves men and understand the fact that we are, you know, creations, uh, then you got to step up to it. You know, you really were uh, time goes like that, you know, and you got to step up to it. You got to, you really got to make it count. Uh, this life is a gift, time and space, you know, the definition of our existence. So if that's our greatest gift is our very own existence. And we are so blessed with our faith and we know that we're creatures, we're creations, we are loved into creation. If time and space is our greatest gift and that's, that's the greatest gift we can give. So, and so then the game of football, became really super special to me but it stopped being you know a game and when and when when we as a staff became devoted to that and i was so blessed to have great guys uh, in order to really run deep with that billy i had to get out of the public schools so i went from brick to central regional and then to donovan catholic where you profoundly can talk christianity and the truth of Mm -hmm. truth of jesus christ and we just went after it hard and uh and once that started to happen, we, Billy, we started to win more games and built a program 
more on those virtues than we did on the fundamentals of football as coach wolf taught us yes because what happened billy was as we know and the holy spirit gets in there and it, it's uh, the holy spirit in, inspires the heart more than you and i could ever do all we can do is open up that heart even in my secular talks bill when i talk in public schools it's amazing how spiritual i get away with stuff without <laughs> mentioning our lord and how faculty and um students will come up to me after a talk and they'll say coach that was that was one of the most spiritual talks i ever heard but i never uh-huh. mentioned it you know what i'm saying so yeah. it's, it's the power of the holy spirit so uh yeah so i i, I became uh, profoundly involved in an organization called the catholic athletes for christ and me who had to cheat in high school to get a c in english <laughs> is now finding himself by the grace of the holy spirit writing curriculum for them and taking what was happening on our football field and now going nationally. And it's just been so, so inspiring. Uh, so, you know, that that's kind of in a nutshell uh, where I was before, you know, what happened. Should I go yes. there now? Yeah. Not yet. I wanted to ask you, so yeah. when, when you, so was it when you went over to, um, it was St. Joe's when we were growing up and then it became yeah, Monsignor Donovan, Monsignor Donovan, Donovan High School. Yeah. It was a very big, you know, it was a good Catholic school right there in Ocean County. Um, is that when you, you now, is that when you changed your coaching philosophy? And, yes. Mm-hmm. And was part of that philosophy that you were teaching really more like, well, good sportsmanship, you know, and, and things like that. All coaches will want to do that if they're yeah. worth the salt, but more, even more focused on on virtue and and being men and what it means to be a man yeah so that's a good question i'm glad you asked because i can tell you straight up and i'll try to keep that segment a little bit short but this is important and i and i hope that those that are in in a position to make things happen can hear this what we did was we broke down our team roster of say was 60 players Mm -hmm. and say we had six coaches they weren't the exact figures but for explaining purposes we'll go like that so each coach would have 10 players, right? And they were that coaches, they were the group that that coach had as his mentees, okay? The coach mm-hmm. was the mentor, we had mentees. So we would we would project to the team, and you know this as a football player, on Monday morning or Saturday after game film, what the next virtue of the week would be. But the virtue was founded upon what we needed to fix from the game film. So let's just say it was, uh, we'll say generosity. What the heck does generosity have to do football, yeah. right? But yeah. but there's a great spirit of generosity in teammanship, right? Mm-hmm. Like you gotta you gotta leave your heart on the field. We know all those cliches. So we're going to generosity. But the but what we do is this. So so we announce that generosity is it. We'll show a we'll show a clip of generosity, like a macho, like manly clip, like like how about Cinderella Man, for example, right? We'll show mm-hmm. a quick clip of uh, uh, Braddock giving up that piece of last piece of pork roll to his daughter, right? Uh-huh. And his wife saying, "Jimmy, you didn't eat," and he's out the door <laughs> to work. So uh, that would that would be a quick clip, right? So uh-huh. then one day comes, so practice is over, and I'll say, "Grab a kid," and we all grab one of our mentees. So what happens is this: the coach makes a resolution, a specific resolution from his heart to the player in the spirit of generosity, specific, like personal, like I need to be more generous to my 
my fiance. Okay. That's mm-hmm. personal. You, you don't hear that much between coaches and athletes. Right. But what happens was the openness of that heart, like our Lord's heart, the openness of that heart then inspires that young man to come up with something uh, that he otherwise would not have thought of if not for that relationship. That right. intimate, and then he'll come up with a resolution to action. Billy, nine out of 10 of these kids resolve to specific actions as either brothers or as sons. And that's not provoked. It's not provoked mm. by the coach. Yeah. So you see that innate family, like in positive invasiveness that lives in our kids, you know, and it spills out of them. So they make it, they make a specific resolution. All right. So we hit all 10 kids that week. All right. When we come out that tunnel, Monsignor Donovan had a tunnel. When we come out that tunnel to play football, Bill, the night before we had broken out Bible verses on generosity. We're talking mm-hmm. about Christ and generosity and all the amazing virtues of our Lord and how, how they were manifested, right, through the writings of the Gospels. And then so we go out that, we go out that tunnel and um, we hit the sideline and I'm looking down the sideline and we got parents behind us. And I'm like, you know what? We already won this game. Every single one of these boys went home, became a better brother and a better son because of a relationship, a Holy Spirit exuding from our hearts in the spirit of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I don't care about that scoreboard. You know, <laughs> yeah. but, because, but because of the relationship that happened and because of how deep the relationship went, Bill, they were far more coachable in the game of football because they loved us and trusted us and we loved them and trusted them because we were going places. We were going to higher ground. Yeah. Relationship. yeah. And we yeah. won more games. Yeah. And we loved each other and we played harder. Billy, there was Jesus Christ would have been one tough dude on a football field. Amen. <laughs> Amen. You know, just picture those scars from him yeah. your days and never being a quitter. I mean, he was like all virtue. There's no yeah. quit in a guy like that, right? And yeah. we played like that, man. And uh it was it was the best of times. As you could hear in my voice, I hope they were the best of times. It just happened to be a football game. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Yeah, so that was, that's what we did for virtue, and it was comprehensive. And we went away to camp, went in the mountains mm-hmm. for uh six days, no cell phones. And did you we go got to Poconos? To, uh we went up in uh, Camp Cayuga, which was really more of a luxury. It was horrible, but it was a luxury <laughs> versus the first place we went to. First yeah. place we had no right. Yeah. No running water, had a shower. Uh, God forgive me, but I was always the first guy in the shower because there was only one hot shower. <laughs> the rest were all cold. Yeah, but I, yeah. I, I took that hot shower. But uh, mm. yeah, so it, it was rough. It was rough, but uh, rough in a really good way. But here's the kicker, man. We, we would take those cell phones and we'd put them in a the box. You guys can't have your cell phone until Wednesday. We gave them one night to have their phones back. But it, were, it was the moms who complained about it more because they couldn't talk to their sons. So they, be, they were becoming men. They were becoming, they were, you know, flying the coop. Yeah. Yeah, it was cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, I, I like that a lot because what you're saying is that just getting to their hearts and teaching them to have that that virtue made them coachable. Justin Sims, he played, um, I don't know if you, he played for the Denver Broncos. He's a safety Mm-hmm. He grew up around here where I am in Florida. He went to uh, Martin County High School mm-hmm. and he came and spoke to the kids. And he said, the number one thing that you have to be is coachable. Yeah. yeah. You have to be coachable. Yeah. And, and, and he, yeah. And you look at a lot of the superstars that aren't and how they kind of derail their lives. Yeah. 
You have to be coachable. Otherwise, you know, you know what, you know what happens with us when we become selfish. We get into our own little world. We give ourselves our own little tickles, and you become lonely. You become isolated, right? Yeah, yeah. And uh, I think that's what hell is, essentially, is you know being alone for for eternity. But um, it's the uh, definitely the coachability. Uh, but it's, there's also what's necessary. Frank Leahy from Notre Dame fame. Uh, he said, firstly, you must first have a burning desire, a burning desire. And, you know, whatever we allow in our heart will come to your brain, body, mind and soul. If it doesn't get into your heart, then it's not going to get up here. Yeah. You know I mean, if it does get up here without getting in here first, then it won't become action. When it yeah. becomes here, then you're like, whatever you say, coach. Yeah. But then it becomes yeah. action. Yeah, yeah, that someone wrote a book back in the 80s called 18 Inches, and that's between your brain and your heart. Amen. <laughs> right? Yeah. 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 Now you mentioned where, where did you go to college? And is that where you met your wife? No, I I, I didn't meet her there. Uh okay. she's actually uh she was a missionary. Uh that's where her heart was. So she was not uh -huh. a college girl because that's the anti-missionary with the stuff that happens in college. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I was victimized, or or maybe I was uh, maybe I victimized others in college. I was a part of that that fluff, that darkness that happens in college. Yeah. I went to Glassboro State, you know. Oh, okay. Yeah. And, you know, I struggled, Bill. I, I came out of brick football being big man on campus, you know, quarterback. Yeah. And this is part of my talk. And it's so important, Billy, that, you know, my football jacket was everything to me, you know. I wore yeah. it everywhere. It got me number out of Number seven. Number seven. It got <laughs> – and, I, and I, I was adoring number seven on the roster more than I was adoring our Lord. And that was – that was that's what led to my, my problem. But it was, uh, you know, all the glitz and glamour of a quarterback in a town founded upon football. Not yeah. losing one football game in four years, except one the Montclair game that got cut short because of a, a brawl. But yeah, uh, the, the coach jumped out and tackled Mark, Mark Heil. Mark Heil. Mark Heil. Mark Heil. Yeah. <laughs> and, and 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 the and then the cops came on the field and the, the refs gave us eight points because Mark didn't make it to the end zone, yeah. and and then the, the, you couldn't play the game. It was such a brawl. Yeah. And, they gave us eight. wasn't enough to win. Probably would have won anyway. It's hard for me to say. Sorry, Coach Wall. But the uh, <laughs> it was only like ten seconds left. Yeah. But, so it was that's that's our only loss. But uh, yeah. So I mean, my jacket got me out of speeding tickets. It you know it got me A's in English when I deserved a C because the teacher was a football fan, uh, and it got me prom dates. But then I had to go to college, and I, of course I brought my football jacket. And when I got to college, I went from big man on campus just sixty days earlier. Look yeah. at that short geek with his jacket on. Yeah, 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 yeah. I had to take it off, Bill. But and when I took my jacket off, I was scared to death. Yeah, you know, like I had no idea. I had given up the truths, those innate deep truths. I like to call it charism. You know, the powers uh, and talents that are conferred on us by the sheer nature of creation. Yes. I had given up all that, and I had to go back in. It was painful. Then I mm -hmm. met my wife when I was like twenty-eight. Fell in love. Quickly fell in love. Proposed to her in three months. Five months later on the altar, and then we had eight kids. Right. We yeah. Now, when you were 28, were you coaching? You were at Brick at that point, weren't you, yeah, coaching? Yep. Yeah, yeah, I was still at Brick uh, when I was 28. I think I had moved at that point down to the freshman team with Kevin Campbell. Uh -huh. And we, we won a lot of games. That was a lot of fun. It was the most fun I ever had coaching. And then yeah. by, by the power of my love for my wife and finding out, you know, men give – and I, I would give anything for that woman to this day. And I started to realize what manhood was. It gave me confidence. 
and then I applied for the central job, central regional job, and I was a head football coach at 35. Yeah. <clears throat> so you met your wife and you, you have eight kids. I want you to tell me a little bit about that. But, mm -hmm. you know, when you do, when you do get married, it's either going to I mean, you either have to grow up at that point as a man or it's not going to work. It's, it just won't. Yeah. You know, and like you said, that I like that you said that boys take men give. And I always like to say that we are receivers because we receive God love and we're givers, but we're not takers. That's how yeah. we walk in, in, in the Lord. So, um, so you went, I know that you coached at Brick because you coached my brother and then you went to Central. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, my, I moved to, um, Florida in 93 and my parents would visit every February for the whole month and we would catch up and your name would come up often. I'm because I knew you were doing a type of um, athletes for Christ or fellowship of Christian athletes, something like that. Cause I remember my mom talking to me about it because right. that, that inspired her because my family had this big spiritual awakening. All of us kind of, my sister first, then me, my mom and dad in the, in the eighties. And the, and so um, my mom would always report, you know, what God was doing in our town. And, yeah. and like I said, your name would come up. And so at that point, um, when you went to, when you went to Monsignor Donovan, it seems like that's where the Lord, and this is what I've learned in my life. When the Lord would have me teach something or do something, <clears throat> He was teaching me at the same time and I was oh, yeah. learning these things. Absolutely. And and really because we have a curriculum that we teach called the Alpha Series and, and the Journey to Freedom. We do a lot of Christ-centered recovery work. But when I started teaching it, it just became more ingrained in me and I learned it. And then you have to learn to walk it out because yeah, it's right. easier to walk the walk than it, talk the talk than walk the walk. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so let's pick up where you were, Monsignor Donovan and, and your family, um, and then maybe Francis' story to where to where you are now, and I take your time with it. Okay. Yeah, so to your point, too, there's definitely giving in the taking, and that's, mm -hmm. you know, I, I love what you just said. We receive and then we give, right? You yeah. receive it, get it in your heart, own it, love it, know it, and then, then I love what you just said. And there, but there's also this huge component that there's giving in the taking, like to mm -hmm. take that Billy puts such a wonderful, warm smile on our Lord that he's got his disciple who's accepting mm -hmm. his all, you know, all his merciful love, you know, mm -hmm. and that's what our Lord cried so much about this crucifixion. It wasn't the physicality of it, although it was because he's, you know, he's, he's God, man, of course he was humanly hurt, but nothing like, you know, getting spat upon when the crown of thorns were getting crushed in his head, that these men were just not taking his merciful love. It was mm -hmm. just so crushing. So receiving that is just so, so endearing and and inspiring. And it really does. I, I love what you said about, you know, you know, I get on my knees or it, it only takes a quick ask, you know, to our Lord. Sometimes I think we overthink it or get it, get ourselves in the way. Lord, just if you got something new to, for me to say, just get me out of the way and let the Holy Spirit shout it out of my mouth. And it's amazing how much <laughs> comes out, right? Real? Yeah. You don't even know you had it in you, right? Yeah. 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 But so, yeah. So I, I do want to say this. My wife referred to herself as the football widow 
for so many years because she was a stay-at-home mom while I was out, you know, teaching and coaching and then running a ceramic tile business trying to put milk in the fridge. But when I started to, by the grace of God, started to do the virtue program, she made a comment. My wife is a straight shooter, man. Like whether you like it, like it or not, you know. And after one of the banquets, she said, "Danny, your coaches—they have grown so much. Like the words they're saying and where they're coming from." I was like, "Oh, more. That's just by the, that's the grace of God. That's the virtue program we're growing with our kids." So that was a great revelation to hear from. You yeah, know, one and only. You know, my wife is everything yeah. to me. And um, then my boys came through, and they came through the program. She was no longer the football widow, Bill. Mm-hmm. Like she was totally engaged, you know. So that yeah. was really cool. Uh, and then it gets tough, Billy. You know, um, my son, uh, my son Francis, played football. He uh, he wrestled and he played lacrosse. He was a captain for all three teams. And uh, we won we won our first championship in a very long time at Monsignor Donovan when Francis was a senior Uh, and, you know, Francis had an amazing spirit, you know, like you knew he was in the room. You always knew he was in the room, Uh you know, but it was was never bad. He was never like a, a bad kid, but his spirit would permeate the room at times when the spirit shouldn't have permeated the room, you know, Uh but he was that kind of a spirit. Like he, you know, he cartwheeled before he could walk. And you was know. he was he the oldest, the youngest, oh, the middle? No. no, so it was Aileen, Danny, Michael, Keenan, and Francis, uh-huh. Anna, Grace, and William. And when I give my talks, I, I explain before they even before I even get to what I'm about to get to, I talk about each child quickly, but there's eight of them, so takes a little while but each one quickly and what their strengths and their virtues are and what we love about them and kind of get the the audience to love my kids too you know yeah 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 so uh but you know then we get to a tough time you know then we we talked about uh it was 2014 and a february 8th morning uh my son keenan who was closest in age with with uh francis opened up my bedroom door three o'clock in the morning very cold, dark February morning, February 8th. And uh, he said, Dad, there's two cops downstairs. Whew. And uh, just barely see Keenan. You know, he, there was the, the foyer light just kind of made him a silhouette. Maura was lying in bed next to me to my right. And she kind of grumbled. And I was like, don't worry, Maura, I got this, you know. When you have five sons, cops do come to your door. Yeah. You know, and it's usually, you know, bottle rockets or somehow the old lady down the street has eggs on her roof. The same lady who used to take their balls whenever they went on the on the yeah. grass. But of course, yeah. my son's never admitted to that. Uh-huh. This was different, Billy. So yeah. I went down the stairs and uh, there were two cops standing in the foyer. And, I, you know, I said, man, you guys got me nervous, you know. And uh, the look in their eyes had no urgency to it. And uh I stood in front of them and then they kind of shuffled into my living room. I shuffled with them, not a sound. And I'm like, Oh man, this is like, this is, this is, this is a movie. This isn't real. I knew where all my kids were because I texted them every night before I went to bed, you know, that we had three who were taking care of their business and growing and up in Monmouth County. 
uh, you know, they were in their twenties, late twenties. But anyway, so I stood in front of the cop and I said, you know, please tell me, you know, the the cops, please tell me you have my son locked up because I I knew where everyone was. They were safe and sound either upstairs in their rooms, or once again, they had already texted me the night before. I'm good, dad, you know, sweet dreams. I love you. But this guy, he was just, he never knew where his phone was. You know, it was always dead (laughs) that the phone was dead or yeah. And it was true. Anyway, so, you know, it was just that story, man, where it really becomes everybody's story, you know, uh, of humanity when the cops said, are you the father of Francis Duddy? And I didn't want to say yes. Yeah. Because they're look, the looks in the eyes. Uh, and I said yes. And they said, you know, you're very sorry, but your son was killed uh, two hours ago in a car crash. And I turned around and I let out involuntarily no 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 about as loud as i could and i turned back toward the cops and there at the bottom of the stairs was mora my wife and she was shaking you know and her hand palms were out all she heard was no 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 when she came to the bottom of the stairs she saw two cops i can't imagine what was going through her head and uh, i said i'm sorry Mora, but we just lost francis and uh you know the mother's heart uh, just became so revealed, you know, to the point where I rephrased what I told her after I saw her, you know, the uh, just the gyrations and whew, the sounds. And I said, Maura, I'm, um, you lost your son because it was much more relevant, Bill. As hurt yeah. as I was, there's nothing like the mother's heart. Yeah. Yeah, so... I don't know how graphic you want me to get, but she really womaned up, you know, and I, I, I went boy down, you know, mm-hmm. she womaned up and got super strong. And she, she went on to say, damn, my heart was shredded so wide open. I can't see with my eyes anymore. I only see with my heart. And she said, the beauty of it is the triumph. It is. I can see the, I can see people's hearts and their souls and who they are and the beauty of creation far more than ever before because my heart was ripped open. But she had one question, Bill. Uh, she was able to muster up a voice, and she, as the cops were leaving, they said the driver was drunk, the driver was medevaced, uh, there were beer cans in the car, uh, the car had turned over like three or four times and hit an oak tree upside down. But uh, in spite of all that, my wife tapped the cop, the cops as they were leaving. She said, "Sir, I got one question. Did my son call out my name? Did my son?" Ask for his mother. And the cop, this is uh this is the reality of it. You know, this is how things change so quickly. My wife was relieved to hear the cop say that my son broke his neck on contact and was killed, that he didn't suffer. It's like, man, mm-hmm. talk about a change, like a change of life in a, in yeah. a heartbeat. You know, so but there were some uh amazing spiritual revelations that come with that that I can hit if you want me to, but yeah, I definitely want you to. I can relate to what your wife was saying about yeah. the beauty and creation. And because um, we're not, I can see the emotion in you and, and I appreciate you sharing your story. Um, but I, right now I have more joy than I ever had in life, yeah. but it's mixed with this eternal sadness <laughs> that I think God carries. And it, we're part of this big, big picture that's so much bigger than us. But I don't think we'll ever stop mourning our 
children. I'm three years into it. You're eight years into it now. And we're never done, but God is so faithful. And that hope, when Paul, St. Paul said, you know, I don't want you to be to mourn without hope. He wants us to mourn, but that blessed hope, that hope that we have is, is so strengthening. And you mm -hmm. do see, you do see the beauty and you are connected to the oh, yeah. eternal realm now more than ever. Oh yeah. But yeah, I, I want you to share, um, you know, the rest of the story, the, the, the fallout. And, um, you said that you boyed down. I mean, I'm sure it, I mean, it, I, I, I was afraid when it happened to me, like, am I ever going to be able to come back from this and, and live again? And my faith was shaken. My faith was shaken. Wasn't that, Oh, how could God let this happen? For once I doubted, like, can any of this be real? Like even the eternal realm, like eternity, heaven, I thought, Oh, because if it wasn't, then I would never see my son again, but that's come back more stronger than ever. But mm. um, just pick up from there, your your journey and your wife's journey, how you got through it, what worked for you, anything you want to share. Yeah. So what I'm feeling right now, based on what you just said, and I'm sure you can relate, is that whole manifestation of one spirit. You know, we listen to the same spirit. Yeah. We're, the, we're the same men in the same yeah. tragedy. So my heart is completely with you on everything you just said. I went through the same channels, you know. So, yeah. So uh, I uh, we had to let the kids know, the siblings know. And so I was like, more, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? So I was like being that, that little boy, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and she, you know, told me how to text the older ones, come down. So I'm like, you know, I'm in the middle of the morning, you know, come home, come home, come home. You know, Aileen, come home, be safe. Danny, come home, be safe. And they're like, what, dad, what's going on? It's 4 a.m., you know, it's 5 a.m., whatever time it was. Get home safe, you know, because more just said, tell them to drive slowly and get home safe. So they came home and more said, let the other ones wake up naturally and we'll deal with it as it comes. And this is all in the darkness of our living room. Keenan, the guy who opened my door, who let the cops in, remained on the couch with his back to us and his face buried in the couch laying down. You could just see his body shaking, you know, just because he was still like crying and whatever he was doing. And they came home one by one. And I don't know how graphic you want that to be, but it was extremely difficult. And when I give this talk to our students, I go into the darkness, Bill. I make it so real. And it, yeah, I, you know, I do it for the sake of their mothers. And I tell them, I'm here for your mothers. And I yeah. sometimes I tell them a little bit too early on. And some of them are cocky because next day's prom date, others oh, another guest speaker. And yeah. I said, Yeah. So, and then when I start, to, when I talk about my wife at the bottom of the stairs, I say, That's your mother. That's your, yeah. mother. my story's your mother. That's yeah. your mother. You don't ever want to see what I saw. You don't want your mother to ever go to that. You want you don't ever want to be a part of the reason why she's like that or anybody else's mother. Right. Because the fact of the matter is they came from a house party and not one person stood up and said, and this is on my son. And when I see him in heaven, he's going to get it, Billy. <laughs> <laughs> but, the, yeah. uh, you know, one person said, hey, man, we're drunk. Like, yeah, there are other options like the distance from that house party to my house, Bill, was shorter than any distance they ran in one of my football practices. And I coached both of them. I was their head coach. They were teammates. Um, yeah, Connor got medevaced and survived, but they had to cut him out of the car and had to, they had to reassemble his face, handsome kid. But, uh, yeah, so now it was time to tell the kids. And uh, that was uh, that was excruciating. Um, 
excruciating. And I, yeah. I, I don't know if you want me to get into that right now, but what happened was. Yeah. 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 I mean, I mean, if you want to. Oh, I absolutely will. I, I yeah. absolutely will because I, I, that's what I do uh, to make it real. Aileen came to the door with a grimace on her face uh, that I'd never seen, a twisted grimace, the front door. They, they came home in separately in their cars. They lived separately. And I opened the door and I told her she lost her brother. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she's the oldest of the eight. And she immediately looked into the living room to see if there were siblings there that she could help. She found herself alone in the in the uh, living room, and she sat. And I paced, waiting for whoever was going to be next, whether someone coming downstairs or pulling up. And she said, "Dad, I, I thought it was Nanny. I thought Nanny died. That that was the grimace that she, because yeah. that made sense, Bill, right? Yeah, so it's you know, eighty six years old, had taken all her charisma, her powers and talents that God gave her, lived her life, and loved." As she did, it just made sense. But losing a 19-year-old just, you know, just was unfathomable, as you know. Yeah. As we know. And then Danny came in. We call him the quiet man uh, because, you know, the John Wayne movie. And Danny always, we always related him to John Wayne. You know, uh-huh. <laughs> you know he's a man of action, didn't say much. But when he did, you listened. I opened the door and I said, Danny, we lost Francis. And just like the quiet man, he closed the door, Bill. He never entered the house. He left for three hours on foot. I never asked him where he went to this day. Wow. And then he eventually came back in. Yeah. Yeah. Michael, a whole different personality. He's a fighter. He's a puncher. You know, they're all Division One or Division Two athletes. And they're all, they all get after it, all of them, except for one. We have a hippie girl who plays <laughs> the guitars that you have behind you very, very well. Yes. Uh, and writes songs. But so Michael flew up the driveway as he would. He's Michael. And I met him in the back where there was a glass plane, glass pane sliding door. He came through that door and he's a puncher. Uh, and so he came in front of me. I had the windows behind me. So I put my hand up because he clenched his fist when I told him. And he clenched his fist and instead he hit my hand. And then he went, he went like this. Wow. And then he put his hand, his head here. And he cried like a baby, you know. Like yeah, my, my shirt got wet. So for the, the 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 visual you gave is that he punched your hand, but then he held it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and cried. Yeah, you know he uh, was going to punch, and then on his way, he stopped, and then he went slow. And he went like that. So beside Keenan, who you saw sobbing on the couch, Michael was really the first to show emotion. Yeah, well, Danny has has his way. Yeah, uh, he went for a walk. Did. Aileen, Aileen did show her emotion, yeah. uh, but um, the true personalities came out, Bill. Yeah. You know, they just came out in a, in a severe manner. Danny got super quiet. That's his personality. Yeah. Aileen got super helpful. Yeah. And then she got intellectual. Dad, this doesn't make sense. And then, right. but she was also in a great deal of pain. But, and, and then that's a good point. And that you brought up, see, you provoked that. Yeah, that, you know, we become severely ourselves in those situations. We are true to yeah. ourselves uh, as a knee-jerk reaction. But Michael is that guy too, Bill. He's loves his mother. He's romantic with his mother. You know, mm-hmm. he just loves her. Mom, I love you. You know, <laughs> yeah. the first guy to punch you in the mouth, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's true. That's a really good point. Um, and then, so 
then uh, Anna came down the stairs eventually. Uh, she's the girl I was just joking about as being the hippie. And we love her, just a beautiful young lady. And she weighed about 85 pounds, you know. I told her from a little bit of a distance that she lost her brother. Bill, this is the worst thing I ever saw. She hit the floor immediately so hard, like she weighed 600 pounds. Her head snapped back off the hardwood. And her How eyes. How old was Anna? Uh, she was. Um, we lost Francis. He was 19. So Anna was that. She was 17. 17. Okay. Yeah. And her her eyes rolled back in her head, and Aileen bounced off the couch, scooped her up, and whispered in Anna's ear and talked to her until she came back uh, to keep her from going into shock. Yeah. 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 And then William came down the stairs. Who was 10 or 12? I think he was 10. He came down the stairs. He's the youngest of the five boys. So you never saw him cry. He wasn't allowed to cry, right? Not, yeah. I mean, yeah. not by my standards. You want to yeah. cry, you cry. It's okay. Crying yeah. is living. But, you know, the boys wouldn't. He only he only cried when he when he was ticked off, Bill. From yeah. Him, like a raw deal in the backyard or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you and Scotty, you know, cheap shot yeah. each other. So, yeah. 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 In fact, Scott and I were probably the same distance. We're eight years apart. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So there's a great component in that when I talk, especially with seniors, which I'll, maybe I'll touch upon. But so he came into the living room. And of course, now there's a commotion. There's this like, like just this pot, melting pot of emotions. And it's like, what's up? We told him and we saw that he cries. I haven't seen him cry since. Mm -hmm. Cries tears, just straight down. No noise, no sounds. Yeah. But here's the thing, like when you're 10 years old, Billy, like you said earlier, I don't even know if the mic was on yet. You were talking about how you looked up to seniors when they were playing football. Yeah. They were like gods to us with a small G. You yeah. Know, you idolize them, right? So now here's William's God, small G, idol, his 19-year-old brother. Yeah. Who got drunk with a friend. And yeah. now he's gone. And William's 10. Like, how do you handle that? Like, how do you fathom that? Mm -hmm. That innocent mind who doesn't really know a whole lot about those tragedies that occur around us. How do you, how do you even interpret that? You know, how does, to this day, I don't know what he's thinking. I always ask him, we always say, how are you doing with the Francis thing? Yeah. I'm, you know, I'm good, dad. What does good mean? Dad, I'm good. I don't know what it means, Bill. You know? yeah. yeah. But Gracie then stood at the top of the stairs out of nowhere like this with her cell phone, shaking. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm running up the stairs because I learned from Anna, who I didn't have arms around first. She's like, dad, 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 dad. I'm getting text messages, sorry for your loss. Sorry that Francis was killed. She woke oh, up, she woke, she woke up, up social that. networking. Yeah. The most intimate thing that was ever told to her. Yeah. Was told by these superficial yeah. friends. You know, yeah. how invasively horrible social networking is. How old was Gracie? So Gracie is uh, uh, two years behind Anna. So she was, uh, you're challenging me here, man. Good yeah, question. There's too many of them. <laughs> <laughs> I know. She was 16, 15. She was six, 16 at the time? I would say 15 and a half. Okay. 16. Yeah. 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 So it was... Uh, it was bizarre. So what happened was 
And you said you ran up the stairs when you saw her with the phone. And yeah, yeah. So uh, I walked, then I got my arm around her and told her she had already heard. And I said, yes, you know, Gracie, it's true. Come on downstairs. And I walked her down the stairs and put her into the living room. By that time, our priest was in there, Father Scott, and other people comforting people, uh, friends, you know, direct. You really find out in your heart yeah. who those friends are because like who do you go to you know yeah you know you okay buddy yeah 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 i love you bill we're in this i love you too (laughs) so so, uh they were in now in the living room and the living room started to fill up and then that whole comfort and christ community you know uh started to fill the room yeah but billy like like four days later my wife goes to uh get the suits and the dresses for uh, Francis's funeral uh, with the kids, you know, mm-hmm. all those ages, you know, and I'm left behind because the house was full of people. As you can imagine, the network, the brick football, network, yeah. Central, Donovan, they yeah. all played ball. They're all college athletes. So they got teammates from, you know, day one onward and teachers and coaches and from three different schools. And it just filled up. But Billy, the day that they went for their dresses and their, funeral clothes i hate even saying that uh jimmy calabra was in my living room jimmy coached at brick and was head coach at brick memorial jimmy and i were just you know shaking hands saying goodbye yeah when jimmy walked out the door the door closed behind him i turned around to see who else i needed to talk the house was empty strangely empty and i was broad daylight bill yeah and i went right back to that horrible grieving darkness that loneliness I felt when the cops told me. Yeah. Broad daylight. And I'm I was scared to death. Yeah. Like I didn't it know. It is scary. Right? C.S. Lewis said, I never knew um grief felt so much like fear. Yeah. yeah. It was extremely fearful. It, you know, the desperation, the darkness. It was truly a taste of hell, you know? Yeah. Truly. I mean, yeah. I know I don't think I'm a weirdo, but I actually started to see things flashing, you know? And I was like, wow, there's no way I can live like this. This ain't going to happen. There's no way I can recover from this. Yep. No that's way. Exactly. I can like, that's what scared me. Like, I can't, I can't do this the rest of my life. There were people that told me it doesn't get better. You just get used to it. And that I was like, there's no way I can get used to this. No, no, no. Yeah. But the what happens in that moment now is the reason why I'm talking to you. I feel more alive today yes. than ever before. Yeah, I know my I know my Lord so much more deeply than mm-hmm. I ever could have imagined. Far more deeply than anything. All the miracles that happened in the Virtue Program yeah. and our our profound devotion to our Lord and always bringing Jesus to the virtues of man doesn't hold a candle to what happened in, in right. that's in that, that situation. I went to the bottom of the stairs and I yelled out Francis's name in all my anger, my hope and my despair. I had to yell his name and I had to believe that he was going to come down the stairs just, just to yeah. get me into that darkness. And uh, of course he didn't come down the stairs. Yeah. And then I just went after it with my anger and I was pointing the finger at the sky and I'm saying, yeah, you know, like, it's, it's laughable now, but like, who the hell do you think you are? Yeah, 
I do this. I, I've been doing this for for you and your son, and I'm on my knees every night. Yeah. The Lord's prayer, Thy will be done. You know, uh, I uh, my knees. Uh, you know, keep keep my kids safe. You know, get them home safe. Yeah. Uh, and you know, blah blah blah, dropping curse words, and I was all by myself, and I was reeling in that living room, spinning. Yeah punching and and then i sat on the couch and i bawled my eyes out and yeah. uh and then billy like i got exhausted from crying and then whew, just as warm like like that warm almost like that baptismal water on a baby's head you know just yeah water and this is what i heard. i didn't hear it but i felt it it said dan my will my will was done your son is home safely. Oh. Yeah. And Dan, he said he was my son. Francis was my son. Yeah. And he said, and you're my son. Yes. And I just came to this deep, deep revolution that I have nothing to do with the fact that I exist. That life itself is an absolute gift. Who in the heck do I think I am? And then I was like, now what am I going to do about this? And for the first time since those cops came, the virtues of masculinity, of manhood came back. And I got excited to see my kids and my wife when they came back. Because now I was going to step up and I was going to lead. I was going to provide and I was going to protect. But I was going to provide the greatest virtue of all that you and I have. And only... Did I come to that revelation through the revelation of Jesus Christ? Because when when God said those things to me, I came to the conclusion that we were going to take on a spirit of gratitude at this point forward in my house. This is my house. Mm -hmm. In my house, we serve the Lord. Yeah. From this point forward, this is where we're going. Because the darkness was gone on that revelation that we were going to take on a spirit of gratitude and that the tomb, the crucifixion happened. The tragedy of the crucifixion had happened. I felt it. I felt God's heart when his son was crucified. Mm -hmm. God said what he said to me when I went through that craziness. I was like, oh man, our God, the father in heaven put himself, you know, on the cross with his son, the God man. And here I am, now I'm in that club. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. This is the way it's going to be. So this is an honor. Yeah. This is, but you got to man up to it, but you can't man up to it without the virtues of Christ, right? Right. But like, so, you know, if you want to, if you want to really understand the theory of relativity, you're going to go to Albert Einstein, right? Yeah. But if you really, if you truly want to know what a man is, you got to go to the person who created and invented man, Albert Einstein created theory. So yeah. God said, yo, dude, Welcome to my world. Welcome to my son, Jesus Christ. Now, what are you going to do about it? Yeah. And it felt so like surrender, like and real, right? Yeah. Yeah. So when they came home, we got to the dining room table. I said, come on, guys. I said, from this point forward, we're going to take on a spirit of gratitude that Francis was ever even in our lives. And they started to giggle and started to tell <laughs> stories about him. Yeah. And, uh, and, and then because they had bought in so much in that community of Christ under your own roof, where it begins, 
then I was like, the virtue of forgiveness is the greatest virtue that we get. Like, do we yeah. get it? I mean, can, can we, isn't it arguable that the greatest virtue of our Lord Jesus Christ is forgiveness? How could yeah. it not be? You just got to look at a crucifix. Yeah. And then the tomb rolled off. The, the stone rolled off the tomb, Bill, right at that point in my living room. And then there was the resurrection of our family when we said, we're going to forgive Connor. Yeah. We're going to have to forgive him every day. Yeah. Because if we don't forgive Connor unconditionally, first and foremost, then we're not going to be able to live. Something bad's yeah. going to happen in my house. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Wow. Wow. And so we held hands and we said, we're going to look each other in the eye. And if we see a dark spot, I'm going to say gratitude, <laughs> forgive. And I got, I hear it all the time from my kids. Cause I'm, you know, I, I beat myself up now and then, you know, but to forgive yourself is my issue. Like, yeah. could I have done more for him? You know, could I have put it in his head more? Don't ever put your hand on a car door handle Francis. Yeah. There's a thousand other options, but it was through that forgiveness that the community and we forgave in court, as you know, we forgave Connor eye to eye. I want you to know on his bed. My wife and mm -hmm. I went to his bed. In the hospital. Yeah. Wow. And he had just gotten home. Okay. And we went to his bedroom and we forgave him eye to eye. I want you to know that. Yeah. And then we went to, for, to court and forgave him publicly because that's what our Lord did. Yeah. And we forgave publicly. But the, we found out after the forgiveness that the community had been so divided. Doesn't that sound like 2022? Yeah. Uh, that's so divided that when we forgave in the name of Jesus Christ, and I used our Lord's name in court. Yeah. The uh, we stepped out and the community said, Oh my gosh, that was so healing. You know, that, that was, I said, that's Christ, you know, but the community can went just like this, just like Michael's hands to mine the community went just like this over the spirit of Christ. You know, that, that beautiful gift of forgiveness. Whew. So, yeah yeah well well dan i i gotta tell you and i want to talk a little bit more because w was it michael that spoke along with you in court no was, the quiet man the quiet man, the quiet man. i Danny. was so impressed with what he said yeah see i mean i i'm gonna find that again and put it in the show links is it on youtube yeah, put it in. yeah it's on youtube uh and the, and the judge said that he never saw anything like that in all the years that he i mean i i I showed it to everybody that I knew because it was yeah. such a beautiful story because we had something similar happen in our community yeah. and it did tear the community apart. And the couple who lost their daughter wound up getting divorced. And yeah, I remember, yeah. I remember over here in the mom saying, Oh, they want me to forgive him. That's Jesus job. Forgive him. I'm not forgiving him. Wow. And that, that, like yeah. you said, you have to. And I mean, that is, I mean, I, I, I'll let you talk a little more about that because that that was um, so powerful and such walking out what what Jesus did for us in in forgiveness. But I wanted to tell you that that you having it out with God first of all reminded me of Lieutenant Dan in the storm. <laughs> yes. But the thing about it that people are afraid to do is to really let God know you're angry. And even if you're angry at him, he's big enough to take it. He, he knows us. All he of us. Yeah. You know, and I get, 
before before Liam died, I'd get mad at just like little things in the house with the kids. And I remember telling like I have a good fellowship of friends that we hold each other accountable. And I remember telling my friend John Hales, I said, you know, Carrie told me that in crisis, you know, I'm, I'm calm, I'm great. But then I get angry at the kids about all this petty nonsense. And my friend John Hale says, I'll tell you why, dumbass. He said, because you know the big stuff you can't handle. So you yeah. depend on God. You lock into your dependency and acknowledge yeah. your dependency on God. The yeah. little stuff, you think you can handle that. And you can't even handle that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he goes, but you do it. You want to do it in your own strength. But for me, I remember... John Glenn was my grief counselor. He said, are you mad at God? And I said, no, I'm mad at myself. Mm. And he said, that's because you think you're God. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Thank and you, I, thank you, and thank I heard you. that. And I didn't have a big moment like you did. I had more of a series of little moments of pouring my heart out to God and him. That's still small voice. That's what you you're we're hearing. You know, um, I remember. God showed me the same thing that he said, Francis was mine first. God mm. doesn't have grandchildren. Mm. He has a separate re relation. You know, he has that separate relationship. He lives in the present. We're all yeah. an only child, right? To each, to him. Yeah. 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 Because before he announced the, he, before he announced the old, the new covenant in Jeremiah, he announces that he's going to make this new covenant. Yeah. Which Christ ushered in. He says that, he says it is said that children, um, fathers eat sour grapes and children's teeth are shed on, set on edge, right? So he starts with that saying, meaning the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Or, and he says, but I tell you that each, and basically he says, I have an individual with each person. It's not the father's fault. It's not going to be the father's fault. You're accountable to me alone. So Francis had that relationship Amen. with God, yeah. and it yeah. takes a long time to understand that and yeah. develop it, but he did. What God showed me with Liam was like, Liam was born two and a half months early, one and a half pounds, and he was in the early intervention nursery the first eight months of his wow. life. I adopted Liam as an infant when he was nine months, but he, he, he could have died. And yeah. God was like, who kept him alive then? Yeah. You know, he, yeah. he was mine. He belongs to me. And just recently on Memorial Day, we went to down to the military national cemetery and God spoke to Carrie personally. I have him. He's OK. You don't have to worry. Yeah, about that's right. Yeah. Right. So that's that's beautiful. That. That yeah. You had that moment with God. But I, I I often, you know, encourage people if you're mad. Let God have it both barrels. He knows, he knows to, don't do it to your wife or kids. Let God have it because yeah. he can take he can it. Handle it. Yeah. He's big enough. <laughs> and what did he respond to you with? This outpouring of love. And it continues every day, all yeah. day, yeah. every day, all day. And, and stupid me gets in the way sometimes too, Bill, you know. So oh, yeah. I got to remind myself. I got to remind my wife. She reminds me. Yeah. I was thinking, thinking. <clears throat> so that's, and that's, that's really beautiful that your family came together like that and those two words gratitude and forgive i love that mm. and um so from there um when you when you went to um see um connor 
in his home. Was his parents there and were you able to speak to them? And Yeah, I mean, they knew that we were there for deeply personal reasons. Yeah. And it all had to do with Connor. No one else, yeah. you know. Yeah. And in in my spiritual training by way of the Holy Spirit, through all that virtue work, and Connor was a part of all that virtue work, and he was in my mentoring group. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so you get to know your players intimately. Yeah, how per wow. So I went to his heart. I have no problem. And they knew that. They knew yeah. that his parents knew about the relationship that we had, by the grace of God, been able to establish between coaches and players. So we went straight to him. But Maura's heart came out, the mother's heart. Oh, my gosh, it was beautiful. Ugh. Just the beauty of the mother's heart is just astounding. You know, and because her heart was revealed so much to me, Billy, never would have been otherwise. It just makes our marriage so much more deeper. I mean, I love yeah. her so much more profoundly than I ever thought I could, you know. Mm -hmm. Opposite of the divorce, you know, yeah. the antithesis, yeah. you know. Yeah, one yeah. girl's heart, the other girl's like this, the power of Christ. So it was a beautiful thing. He cried when we, uh, you know, when we when we gave him our forgiveness. We said, we completely understand. We're always going to be here for you. We understand that this was all a mistake, you know. Mm -hmm. And on his... um on his dresser right next to me he said coach this is what keeps me going and it was the iron man award that we had given to him at the banquet mm -hmm. yeah and he said that the the virtues of the iron man award is what is giving me hope it's what's put yeah. my, it's going to put my feet on the ground it's going to get me back out there so yeah it's a beautiful thing yeah 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 right. but it was so uplifting <clears throat> to walk out of his room by the grace of god only to give that forgiveness Mm -hmm. so uh liberating for everybody involved and i mean you talk about the liberation of christ's forgiveness for us and what it brings to us it brings us to god the father in heaven and eternal life uh it's that's liberation it's it's incomprehensible but you get yeah. a taste of it you just get a whiff of heaven when you forgive here on earth and yeah. why not why yeah. not yeah why not i know who the heck am i yeah. Yeah, right? yeah. And we're all yeah. brothers and sisters and we're all this big. Yeah. We have a saying in our family that the only way out of all of our messes is forgiveness. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we walked and then, and I love that you went public and I, I love that it brought healing to the community. Um, so from there, um, what you're doing now is you tell a little bit about what you're doing now and how you how the Lord kind of led you mm -hmm. through your your journey. You go and you talk to students about yeah. drinking and driving, but you also said that you go and speak other places. Yeah, go to public high schools, but you say that you go and and you're able to share the gospel. Um, yeah, I, so it's a combination of both, uh, but the Holy Spirit. Uh, finds, of course, his way into both. You know, yeah. We can't we can't stop the truth. So even in my secular talks, uh, you know, people will come up to me and say that was the most spiritual talk that didn't happen. You know, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, and yeah. Uh, which is really cool because that's yeah. what I pray for when I walk into a public high school. Lord, show me the way. You know, let's get this yeah. done. Let's get these people in the heart. But I do speak about everything I just did. Of course, I can't mention God. Uh, but I do say I had my time with God. I'm not 
yeah on them you don't need to do that they're like whoa you know the, you know the, the passion of the truth of god lives in me that's what they hear i don't talk about the resurrection i don't talk about forgiveness in the public school but i do tell them that my whole life was transformed when we forgave yeah we forgave and then i show the courtroom scene and i have the whole audience of those young people close their eyes and think about who it is that they can forgive in their life today i had already talked about women take women get women give girls take you know men yeah I'd, I'd already laid that down on them i said the greatest thing you could do is men and women they all they all want to be men and women bill really? yeah they yeah raise hand. who wants to be a man they yeah. all raise your hand what is a man and the hand goes down i don't know you know they, they don't know what it is so you <laughs> yeah. gotta, gotta lay that on them but so they they all close their eyes think about that then then what's even more i think penetrating is who do you need to go ask forgiveness from yeah you know, because that's a really men's, you know, M-E-N-D-S, men's, you know, where you're at, your culture, where, where you live, you know. Uh, so, you know, we talk about an awful lot about uh, charisma, charism, how it leads to charisma, that when, when you get inside into the silence and you recognize the powers and talents that are given to you, you have nothing to do with it. Yeah. All good things come from God and you're not God. But anything good you find in there, you have gratitude, you know. And then you make resolutions to action with those things. And the things that are within you, no one else ever had before you or after you. Yeah. No one. You are you. You're an only yeah. child. Right? Yeah. And then when you go in there, and I'm not telling you anything. I'm t you know this, but I'm telling you what I say. And then if you extract those into action, big or small, then you are positively affecting the world then like no one else can before you or after you. And that's why you're here. Yeah, yeah. Here, you yeah. Know? So, and that's when you come alive. And when you find how unbelievably exciting the edge of your comfort zone is, and you become adventurous and enterprising like the 12, my goodness, were they enterprising men. And you become enterprising about your powers and talents, and you start to move that comfort zone, you're going to be doing stuff you never, ever truly could have imagined before. It's all right here. 18 inches, right, Bill? Yeah. yeah. Amen. So, and then we, yeah. but you got to get into the silence because this is, this culture is stopping. It's, it's the, that's the, that's the devil's yeah. right hand. The cell phones, you know? the media. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because it, it keeps pulling you out there. Yeah. Out there, out there yeah. into the world. Who wants to be in this crazy world? There's political yeah. footballs all over the place. And yeah. uh, the devil keeps throwing these political footballs so you can kick them around with every other bonehead. But the yeah. fact of the matter is, it's all right here, right? Yeah. So that's portrayed either secularly by the grace of God or spiritually. So I'm getting a lot of talks because pre-prom is this season, right? Yeah. So it's a natural thing. So, And, and that's really, really, really super uh, 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 empowering um, and rewarding for me. Like mm -hmm. I gave a talk to fifteen hundred seniors last week. I think I I think I added up. I've, I've spoken to thirty five hundred kids in the last two weeks between uh -huh. all the schools. Younger <clears throat> seniors out of what's that? Is that in conjunction with students against destructive decisions? Or yeah. So you in? Yeah. So if they have a sad program, yeah. then typically the uh, the sad coordinator will call me. Right. Okay. So. But I do I do label a talk um, students against destructive driving and then subtitle be the oak. And that's got another whole concept to it. Be the oak. Yeah. And that's a 
that that works both for secular and spiritual audiences. So yeah. my son had a had a, a, a neck like an oak tree, uh-huh. but because he had forgotten that he's so vital and crucial in the community, and and that he was here to fulfill the promises that Christ puts in him, he took a day off because he drank boyhood and he put his hand on a car door handle, forgot about his mom, the oak tree broke his oak neck because he had become an oak leaf rolling in the wind. You see, Uh rather than a stoic stand up man that Christ was and is. Okay. So you're feeling the crossing over, right? Yeah. 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 So that's all put in there. Um, So a lot of my spiritual talks, Billy, are, to men's groups. Uh, I work an awful lot with a group called the King's Men. I go out to Flagstaff a couple times a year. This great, huge explosiveness, uh, Christian-based explosiveness going on there. Northern Idaho, I've been out there. Huge explosiveness going on. Uh, Christ-centered. Um, uh, at Brooklyn in a couple of weeks. Uh, I'll be out in North Carolina for a group called Fraternus, a father-son organization. Mm-hmm. So, and then my own my own stuff that comes out of my my website danduddy.com, uh, a great partner. I partnered up with a young lady who knows all the stuff I don't know. Right, I right. How to get on a <clears throat> podcast? Uh, yeah, her name is Jamie. Uh, she does an amazing job putting it out there into the world using the world's tools, uh, which I don't know much about. And I don't know how much I want to know about it, but <laughs> she puts it out there. So uh, yeah. Yeah. So All right. I'm, busy. I'm busy in a good way, man. Busy yeah. Way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I appreciate you so much coming on, but I, I definitely want to have you back because I think we scratched the surface and some of the things and just, you know, we'll, we'll kick it all around some more and talk some more, but your yeah. story mm. just encouraged me so much. And I know it's going to encourage the listeners. I'm going to put, I'm going to put the different links in the show notes. I'm going to have direct people to danduddy.com, right? If there's a school or somebody that wants to get in touch with you, they could go there, right? That's right. Yeah. yeah. It's so easy. And it's just, I just use my name. Yeah. Uh, keep it simple. You know, so yeah. Do you have that's anything? who we are, right? You're going to see yeah. our Lord by name, right? Yeah. yeah. Do you have anything, anything coming up? in the immediate future that you'll be doing? Or? Yeah. So the school year is shutting down. So that's kind of getting a little bit yeah. lower, but I'll be spending four days in mid July out in, uh, in North Carolina. I have Catholic mm-hmm. radio. I do a Catholic radio show out of Boston every Saturday. So that's live streamed 1130 every Saturday. I've been doing that for two or three years. Oh, okay. It's all episode based. So um, I would love to talk to you more. I would truly yeah. love to. We can pull something out, you and I, by the grace of yeah. God, and just let it roll and develop that. Yeah. And just have a good time. Yeah. I love talking to you. And it's <laughs> like, you know, there's so much to talk about. So yeah. I would love to come back on the show. So um, I'm sure there's more that is going to hit me pretty soon that I don't see coming, just like you know. I know. God, God wants to get you out there, right? Yeah. Yeah. And fantastic. Fantastic, Dan. Yeah. Um, and we're gonna well, we'll put our heads together. I'll be up near you. I'm gonna be your neighbor for a, a Let's week. Go. Yeah. yeah. So we'll we'll put it together. But I'm gonna have, like I said, I'm gonna have everything in the show notes for people to to reach out to you. But thank I want to thank you from thank the you. bottom of my heart for coming thank on. You. And we're gonna do we're gonna tell, we're gonna do another show. I can yeah, tell already. Great. Come All on, right. I love this man. I I love these nice, settled, real conversation. Yeah. Got, right. Yeah. I, Keep feel, I feel the spirit from you, brother. I, I can't thank yeah. you enough for being open to the spirit 
You're yeah. a very, very, very inspiring man. Truly. I love the truth that exudes from you. I feel very good when I'm with you. So yeah, I'd love to come back to you and uh, see where the spirit brings us, bro. Likewise, brother. Looking at, we got every reason to be excited and looking forward to what God's going to do. Amen. Amen. Absolutely. Thank you again for listening. There's a lot of information in the show notes. Please, please watch the YouTube video of Dan and his son speaking at Connor's sentencing. I have a feeling Dan will be back to the Men of Sorrows podcast. Until then, remember that his grace is sufficient, his power is made perfect in weakness, and nothing, nothing, not even death, can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus.